<laughs> Welcome everyone to Very Flow Upstream number 36. I put in our little description if, if Upstream were a baby, then Barry Flow would be a parent, and that parent had just given birth. This is our ninth month of Upstream. This episode is kind of a milestone for us. Did you I practice know that, uh, that analogy before yeah. we went on here? I, I, that's, that's bizarre, but okay. <laughs> I thought of, like, what has a nine-month period, you know? And the only thing that came to mind was a pregnancy, so maybe Barry Flow is finally actually alive. Right now with, with <laughs> so how's everyone been doing? Good, good. Good. Not I have crappy weather and it's freezing cold out and the streets are all flooded and I'm trapped inside. <laughs> Which is a good thing. You don't have an excuse to leave your house now. Literally, I'm, I am kind of trapped inside, in, at least in one aspect, because the snow on my patio is so high, I literally can't open the door. <laughs> it is above the door that I can't open it. Wow. It's crazy. You need to open the door inside and just tunnel through. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm glad I have a front door that I can actually get out because otherwise I might go a little bit stir crazy in here. <laughs> I, we don't leave our houses too much anyway, so no, <laughs> uh, let's get started here. We have a couple topics to run through. Not too much really deep and exciting news, but something's worth mentioning and talking about. Uh, earlier last week, we saw the release of some. Passport and uh, Rio accessories we started getting announced and emerging online. We got, saw some mentions. Nothing too specific, basically just like an Excel list with some of the names of the upcoming accessories. All standard stuff. We saw SyncPod, we saw the hard shells and different cases of that nature. When do you guys think we're going to see this Rio device? Are we going to see it maybe toward Mobile World Congress? Do you think it's actually going to be announced then or just kind of teased then? I don't know. It's coming. It's almost coming at the end of February, and I don't think it's a device to actually go ahead and announce at Mobile World Congress. Like it's, uh, it's not really that impressive, at least from my standpoint. I don't see too much to uh, you know write home about in regards to the actual device. But who knows? I mean, they do have some plans for device announcements, I guess, at Mobile World Congress. So they could slide that one in there. I just wonder, are they going to follow it at Mobile World, up, Mobile World Congress up with that announcement, or are they just going to kind of slide it in? I believe we got the classic and passport news, at least the names and kind of the intentions of the devices back at Mobile World Congress last year. So I just kind of wonder, are they going to continue kind of with that trend with the devices, at least maybe seeding some of the ideas around the devices around that time? It's definitely interesting because, again, we don't know too much about it, Yet we do know a lot about it because it's kind of been this rehashed device over and over. So, Ronell, what about you from a sales perspective? Is the Rio something you think you can sell to users, or are people more looking, at least in some of your stores, are they looking more for that you know, classic QWERTY device? Um, it's kind of in between, I would think. I mean, nowadays people are either going for something that they know and they're familiar with, or they want something cheap, like... There's no, like, in-between there, right? So it's hard to say. I don't know if people would, would grasp and jump for it, but it's always a possibility, I would say. Some people could probably sell it if it's at a good price point. There's a lot of pent-up demand for a touchscreen device, too, so mm -hmm. that might be that might be beneficial to, the, to how the device ends up actually selling. But then again, there's, you know, that... 
that pent up demand is for a high end device, and the Rio isn't necessarily, at least from what we know thus far, isn't a high end device. So, you know, it it could go both ways. People could buy it just because there's pent up demand for a full touchscreen device, or they could totally ignore it because it's not the touchscreen device that they want, right? And that's it's almost the same kind of middle ground that the Z30 fell in. And I, I really like the Z30. Like, I'll, yeah. be, I'll be quite honest. But if it has the classic specifications, I mean, I'd rather just pick up a Z30 in good condition from someone I know rather than buy an all-new device. But as you said, Chris, there is a lot of pent-up demand for that all-touch. And if they can do just a little bit of marketing and just get people to really look at it, I think people would actually buy it. Just to kind of yeah. piece themselves over from a Z10, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's got to be one of those devices as well that um, what's really going to make or break it is going to be the price point. Yeah. You know, that you hit the right price point, a lot of people pick it up just because it's affordable. But if you just hit outside that mark, I doubt they sell just because of what we just talked about. When you pick up a Z30, you wait for the high-end all-touch maybe this year. Some people wait for months for something. They don't know if it's going to arrive if the price point is off. I mean, that that's BlackBerry has to get the price of the real uh, device even under. Like, just hit, just, you know what I mean? Like, just make it really, really affordable. Just build I a think, free phone. <laughs> that's the yeah. price everyone wants, right? I think, I think if they go with the same strategy as what they did with the Classic, it would probably be beneficial for them because, I mean... It, we all look at the classic and we see the device on sale online on, on Shop Blackberry or whatever, and you know it's three hundred and forty nine dollars or whatever the case may be, three ninety nine depending on where you live. Um, but in terms of carrier sales and stuff like that, the classic is actually free on the majority of carriers. At most, it's like fifty bucks on carriers, right? So if they push it, push the Rio to carriers, and they offer it for free. Or you know, fifty dollars. That it started off at fifty dollars. That gives them room to drop it down to zero, right? That would be reasonable. I could see people buying it at that point in time. But if they go, you know, if they try and sell that for like one hundred ninety-nine dollars, it's not going to happen. I don't think it would. Yeah. Cool. Uh, at, at this at this point, also, BlackBerry is their their interest lies in uh, adoption. Getting devices and getting BB10 in as many hands as possible. Um, I'm sure this is a Foxconn uh, device, and it'll work out financially, on, you know, for everyone all around. So just get in people's hands. Don't give them a reason not to buy it. Right. I was gonna say. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, what Blaze was saying, and it's just like that right that right price point, but. I mean, there's a lot of Z10 people, like, my friend asked me, is the Z10, he's the owner of Z10 right now, he said, is it a top-tier device right now? And I said, not to say, well, right now, not anymore. I mean, before it was, but, I mean, if if you could offer him an upgrade for 50 bucks or $0, you know, a lot better battery life and a lot better performance than their Z10, I mean, it, it could be a, a great sell, so, I mean... If they can target it properly in price point, yeah, definitely. I think they could sell it. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're we're talking about what a larger screen. We're looking at better battery. We're looking at the ten three one on there. 
what what else does the real device uh, purportedly has? That's about it. I mean, specs specs, <laughs> specs akin to what we see on the classic, which okay. I don't know. If, I don't know if it's even an upgrade from a Z30, but just right, the, new, right. the, the new hardware, the better price point. The thing that I think stomped the Z30 out when it initially came out was that one, it was very limited availability. Right, this thing was launched in the middle of the night over in Indonesia. No one knew about it until really the <laughs> day. So the media really started actually talking about it. And then it had a, a stout price point. I mean, this thing was built and priced just like the Z10 was when it first came out. So you're talking 600 bucks, if not more. So mm. it really wasn't compelling for a lot of people. If they can come in with a mid-range, mid-to-high-end type device and sell it as such and give it at a good price range, I think they'll do well. The Z30 came at a bad time. It did. It did. That was when all the sales talks were happening and whatnot, and just kind of got swept under the rug, unfortunately. Yeah, it, and it really is unfortunately because it was, it's a great device, and you know people still love their Z30 still today. And I mean, there's tons of people out there. Those those that have it absolutely love it. Those who don't have it are like, eh. I'm waiting for the next all time. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It, it just came at a really bad time, and I think. If it would have came at a different time, it probably would have been a better seller for BlackBerry. That whole alphanumeric ID thing really, I think, threw some people off as well. I mean, you, you, you're starting the, the year with a Z10. This is our high-end all-touch device, and then you're going to lapse it by three by the end <laughs> of the year and then not have the availability of that device in stores like you had the yeah. Z10. It was, just, it was just kind of a mess. Um, I'm glad we're moving on maybe to, the, to a different nomenclature with the devices like Passport Classic, an actual naming system for people to relate with. Some of the numbers just kind of got lost. I, yeah, I mean, numbers, numbers and letters don't mean anything these days. you, you got to have some sort of name to go with it, I think, anyhow. I mean, it was great to start with, but you know, that time that time has passed. they got to stick with the Passport and Classic and whatever. Give the devices actual names. I find yeah, it and it definitely funny. helps with... With marketing, too. Like, I mean, think about the Passport. Think about the Z10, the Z5, the Q5, the Q10. You know, people start mixing up the names because they don't, unless you're a true kind of BlackBerry fan, then you kind of know what they are. But it's kind of like, you know, the Passport, they've been able to do this whole thing where comparing it to a Passport and just everything with it. Um, I, I think they really do need to stick with names moving forward. Yeah. So... I wonder what you call just an, an all-touch device that's not, you know, a Z something or another. Do, are they going to call it the Rio or something? You know, it's obviously a code name at this point for the device. Uh, you just, well, you just think I mean, it's going to have some kind of fancy name or it's going to be something kind of rather bland? Well, I do remember when John Chen mentioned that he wasn't interested in making a generic device because the challenge would be in who do you target to? You make a general device, you're probably gonna, you know, shoot yourself in the foot because you just do it in the uh, line of Everybody a million knows. other devices that look the same. Yeah. So uh, he said he expressed that he wasn't interested in just making a generic rectangular slab all-touch device. It's gonna have, it has to have something unique for you know particular audience, and uh, I'm sure it's gonna come with a tagline, you know, a name as well. Uh, he came in and he was like, passport. This is going to be the classic. So I think that's good. we're going to you know, see that sort of trend there, uh, moving away from the numbers. And I did write about the numbers back in Crackberry, how 
BlackBerry 10 shouldn't have been called BlackBerry 10, you know, another number. Or the devices shouldn't have been Z10, Q10. You know, should have, these, these devices needed names. Um, so it's great to see. It looks like he's going to be moving in a new direction, anticipating these names, hopefully. <clears throat> It is, and keep it is in mind, such a mouthful, such a mouthful to say. The BlackBerry Z10 running BlackBerry 10. I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Alex. From BlackBerry. Keep in mind as well, like, you know, so we have the Z10, then we have the Z30, and then if this Rio came out as the Z20, then people are would be like, well, why the heck would I get a Z20 when the Z30's been out for a year? So yeah. even just putting a name to it is just something that, that just the mind share will completely be different than if they just named it Z20. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting looking at the data, too, because normally when we start seeing the leaks come out, like in the case of the accessory leaks, all of the previous accessory leaks have actually called the device, generally, in the most part, by the actual product name. Mm -hmm. So when we saw the BlackBerry Passport accessories come out, they were listed as BlackBerry Passport accessories. When we saw the classic ones come out, they were listed as BlackBerry Classic accessories. There was a few odds and ends like Q30 and Q20 and stuff like that. However, the majority of them actually stuck with the name. And thus far, it seems like all of the Rio accessories are actually using the Rio name or they're using Z20. Very few of them are actually using Z20. So it makes me actually wonder, like, you know, are they just going to stick with the real name? Because that's what it seems like for now. I hope that they they actually don't, but it seems like that at this point, anyways. Because when that when that first initial round of accessories came out, the next day and the day after that, there was more and more sites that were actually listening. And if you go back and you look at that information now, you'll find new listings. None of them have images, but they're all like distributors and stuff like that that actually have it all listed and some of them listed as the Z20 and some of them listed as the Rio with the majority listing it as the Rio. Maybe it's going to be good for them to actually go away from this, the, the kind of the alphanumeric ID. Especially when the Rio looks a lot like the Z3. Yeah. As Alex was kind of teaching on earlier, it's like why would I get a Z20 when there's a Z30? and a Z3. So they don't want to peg it as like a Z5 or something like that. But definitely, definitely think it's going to be important for them to kind of push forward with the naming scheme. I wouldn't mind Rio. I just, I need some kind of story behind it or something. Like, explain to me why it's the Rio. Yeah. As opposed to anything else. Did you go to the Rio Grande and then you, <laughs> you dreamed up the device and built it off of some inspiration there? I mean, there was, there was a lot of design inspiration on the Passport, the Classic as well. So I'd like to see some of that design story continue to evolve. It's, it's It'll make it easier for Ronell to sell them in loads and troves. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so on our new devices, a lot of us have loaded up Snap version 3 beta. Oh, Snap, yo! Oh, Snap! <laughs> no, Chris waited like, for that for a while. <laughs> he's been waiting all cast just for that. <laughs> but uh, Snap is really an interesting application. It brings us a native Google Play Store. Thanks to Cobalt via the CrackBerry forum, we are able to get the Android Google Play Store up and running on BlackBerry 10. It works fairly well. But, of course, a lot of us like the native look and feel that comes along with the Cascades applications. So 
James is kind of built a bridge between the two. So now he's got a native application that brings on the Android UI and styling. I thought that was pretty interesting. You kind of get a, a blend and medley of not only the Android UI, but Blackbird 10s. I really love the native performance over the actual Android application. Anyone testing the beta, what are your experiences with it thus far? I loaded it up, of course. It's great. I mean, if we're downloading apps and stuff, I mean, obviously where it's, you know, a beta, there are a few things that are out of place and such, but he's been working real hard on it. He pushed out two betas so far. Each one got better with each build, so, you know. I mean, obviously, if, if you're not into beta testing, it's probably not something that you really want to load onto your device. You probably just want to stick with the regular Snap, um, the one that's up and running and working perfectly fine. But if you like the beta testing and checking out new stuff, then you know there's there's pretty much no real reason not to load it up and at least offer some feedback on it and stuff like that if you come across any bugs or whatever. Great to mention that the old Snap does work Still, one hundred percent. Like it still works perfectly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You don't have to. You're you're not recro not required to upgrade to the beta. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I think you know, even BlackBerry could kind of learn something from this because you know, oh. if you go to, I, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, if you go to an app, like one of the things that I love that Google does, which this obviously does as well, is you can put a video at the top of it so they can click it. It'll link out to like YouTube, and there's so many apps that you don't necessarily want to buy until actually see it shown off. And being able to just directly get sent to a video in an app, like I think that helps conversion rates a lot. And as a, a consumer, you know, I would love to have that as well. No, well, I mean Apple. Even Apple added that into yeah. uh, into iTunes now. So I just uh, my only observation, and it's a it's a great app, is that the original Snap app. Uh, kind of mimicked BlackBerry World visually, and now it's mimicking the Google Play Store visually, yeah. with like that BlackBerry native uh, ability, gesture touch. So, uh, I think it's 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 interesting that he made that uh, move. Um, I know there were some people that wish he stayed with like that BlackBerry World look. You heard um, that too. I got a lot of feedback. They're like, I don't like this. I don't like this. Um, and then you have the, you know, the, now you have like the Google Play. It looks official and it moves very well with, with BB10. Um, it's it doesn't it's not going to stop anyone from actually using it because it's just that good. But um, it's an interesting decision, um, you know, given that, you know, not too long ago we did have uh, the Google Play Store files uh, available for uh, download on all of the BB10 devices. And there was a number of people that did that, and we all have like this Google official Google Play Store uh, icon and everything. Now that we have Snap, it's like we're going to jump on there because it's a lot more intuitive. Um, but uh, just you know, something I wanted to uh, note uh, visually there, the difference, and we've heard uh, both sides. You know, hmm. liking it, not liking it so much. Snap so. version four is going to look like. The App Store, Apple's App Store. <laughs> <laughs> As we continue through the redesign process here, I, I really, great, I gotta say, like, if you bring up, like, if you take, if I take on my passport and I, you know, bring up my Snap, uh, you know, application now, well, when it moves out of beta, all, all the wrinkles are ironed out. Um, I can show anybody, and it'll move incredibly well because it's optimized, you know, for the BB10 experience. So um, I can demonstrate. Listen, we have all the Google stuff, you know, available. Um, on the BB10 device, 
the question now is like, is that something that I, is that a show-off feature? No. To show I did this, off, I did like, this stuff I, on a I, BlackBerry device? I'm, I'm over at a, at a coffee bar yesterday, and this, this guy comes up, he's like wheeling his kid around, and he literally like leaves his kid, and he's like, is that the BlackBerry? And he walks over, like leaves his kid, like <laughs> he leaves his kid like five or seven feet away, just like chilling. The kid's like in the stroller sleeping, and he's just asking me all these questions, right? And I, I pull up the Google Play Store, and I pull up the actual, you know, not Snap. For some reason, I just launched the Google Play Store. And he's like, oh, cool, so you can get Google Apps. And I'm like, well, not really. I mean, yes and no. If you, you want to you know, mess around with it a little bit, you can get a lot of stuff working. So, you know, Jube, to your point, is it a show-off feature? It's like, yes, in terms of capability, but no, in terms of usability. Because they're going to go into the Google Play Store. They're going to look for the Google Apps, and then they're not going to work. That, that's, that's part of the, I guess personal conflict I have with it is that, you know, probably to Jubei's point, it is a little bit of a show-off feature because, as you guys all know, not all of the apps work. I mean, you can get a lot of apps working, but there are some apps that you have to fiddle around with in order to get them working properly, and there's still, of course, you know, the Google services pop-ups that happen every now and then in certain apps, and, you know, I... It's one of those things that I can't recommend to, like, an everyday user. I can't say, yeah, you can get all of these apps, and you can use them, and they'll work perfectly fine, because it's simply not true, right? You know that there's going to be instances where they're like, oh, crap, this doesn't work. And that's that's part of the problem that I have with the with the whole scenario, I guess you could say. And I don't, I don't, I don't see a resolution for that in the future. And I don't know if that is, you know, it doesn't seem as though that BlackBerry is ever going to go ahead and fix that because they have their agreement with Amazon, and of course we all know that they can't, they can't force the Google Play Store on there. They don't meet the requirements, right, for the testing. So it's just one yeah. of those things. It's it's still kind of a showy feature to me. It's weird because I was going to say like. I mean, not a standard consumer is going to download and install it because it still, Snap still requires you to sideload, which not a lot of users know. But, I mean, 11,000 11, people who installed it in the first 24 hours, I mean, I don't know if that's a lot. I don't know if you guys think that's a lot, but, uh, I mean, I'm pretty amazed that 11,000 people, BlackBerry users, installed that app alone to access the store, right? I mean... Not you would think it's a small number of like people who are technical and know about it, but eleven thousand is a lot. So yeah, I was impressed by that number. Like that number was pretty shocking. I mean, to see that that many people had actually downloaded it and for I, a be- for a beta test at that, you know. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. I feel like got some good volumes. I'm I'm interested. He always posts numbers in terms of downloads. I believe about a couple of months ago he posted like the top downloads from Snap, so we can kind of see some trends. I think there was like over like three million downloads from the application last year. Yeah, and just and from BlackBerry users. Mm-hmm. And just just to clarify a little bit further is because um, eleven thousand was only during the first twenty four hours. He's now at over thirty five thousand, well over thirty five thousand now. So when you put that in perspective. 35,000 users downloading your app, there's, I mean, you know, there's 
there's there's apps on BlackBerry World that haven't had thirty five thousand downloads, you know. <laughs> yeah, I can name a few of them. Web design sheets. Somebody now we're close. Somebody somewhere is weeping at the fact that uh, an app that you can't even get on BlackBerry World is like downloaded over thirty. Right, like there's no there's no native way to download it unless you're using a proxy and yeah. some some very high level uh, side steps. Uh, it, it's funny. Why it, could we get Snap in Beta Zone? I feel like that's the place it needs to be. I was just thinking that, but realistically, I think anything that goes in Beta Zone has to be able to be accepted also in BlackBerry World. Because Beta Zone, I think it's connected to BlackBerry World in some way. Um, I still haven't been able to use it because they still haven't even accept, accepted me in <laughs> Beta Test for some reason. Uh, but anyway, I was just thinking about that. And if they can't let it in actually BlackBerry World, then I don't think they would let it in Beta Zone, unfortunately. Though I think they should, but it might be against terms of service. Like, is well, the API that he's using, is it a public API? I think he might be trying, like, I don't think the Google Play Store API is public. Yeah, it's definitely not something that Google is. Um, here's, I have, um, I'm of two minds of that because Google doesn't really care at this point. In time yeah. Because they have, they're getting users out of it realistically. However, from a legal standpoint, if somebody directly brought it to their attention and said, "Hey, this needs to be looked at," they'd obviously have to do it. You know. From from a legal perspective, but right now I don't think that they actually care. However, if it became legitimized in some sort of way, such as being placed in BlackBerry World or you know even in Beta Zone, that's when they they'd be like, uh, no, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of things that you can't do that are done anyway. Insta- yeah. Instagram, Insta Ten, Insta Ten. In four grand. I don't even know what name it is now. I'm lost on it, to be quite honest. I gave him a great name. Well, 640 wait. pixels. <laughs> you know the reason? No, why is that? Instagram pictures are 640 by 640. 640 uh, pixels, man. That's the name of your app. It would have been simple. Very simple. And it doesn't violate any Instagram terms because, you know, it doesn't use Insta, it doesn't use Barry, it doesn't use BB, it doesn't use any of that stuff. They <laughs> <I> use Graham. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, memory. <laughs> What's next? Battle of Waterloo, Blackberry Roots. Did any of you guys read uh, uh, the article? It was from Kevin Roos. It's a very interesting, kind of talking about the rebirth of Blackberry. The life, death, and rebirth, so to speak. And I, I want to put death in quotes because, I mean, it didn't die. If anything, it just downsized. But um, very interesting article. It's a long kind of expletive editorial. Talks about some of the history. Crackberry is even mentioned as a phenomenon, which I thought was pretty cool. Clay's going to wipe the dust off his shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, it talks – it does a good job of prefacing the whole kind of situation, and it really talks about Waterloo as a whole how they've kind of rebounded despite maybe the, the failures in some of BlackBerry's management to really make it that the tech jewel and icon that it was. They still have 7,000 employees worldwide and a market valuation of near $6 billion. And they turned a small profit last quarter. So it's a very interesting article. You can check that out. I believe it's on fusion.net. It's called uh, um, 
Life, Death, and Rebirth of Blackberry's hometown. Any of you guys happen to read any parts of it? And what, what kind of uh, insight did you gain from it? Uh, I, I read parts of it. It was really long. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was longer than I thought. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, had a melodramatic tone to it. Um, I think it's, it's a... If you have time, it's a nice read for... And while I was reading it, I, one of the things that I was curious about was, like, the target audience for it. Like, is this for people who mm -hmm. live in Waterloo? Was this people who, like, BlackBerry devices? It was, it, it was kind of... Um, Comments from people who lived in Waterloo were actually kind of negative towards it because they're yeah. like, BlackBerry was not the only good thing in Waterloo. So, like, I don't think it's really <laughs> geared toward them, actually. I, yeah, I just, that was, was just one of the things that I was kind of, while I was reading, I was like, man, I, I wonder who's going to actually read this. Who's the target audience? Yeah. I mean, because it's exactly. not about tech. It's not about, is it about Waterloo? It's about Canadians? It's you know, like a story. He, obviously, it's about the story of BlackBerry, but he ties it into, you know, yeah. the Waterloo element. Um, well, I think, his, his I think whole it preface, was more Waterloo. Right, right. His whole and, preface was, is BlackBerry to Waterloo as GM was to Detroit? That it's having your, your big tech giant kind of you know, dissipate in the region, does that affect everything else around it? But yeah. even so, if that was the case, I didn't really read much about the culture and the status of Waterloo before BlackBerry arrived during their... Um, you know, successful run, and now it, it didn't talk about like the people. It didn't talk about other businesses or anything. There weren't any well, interviews. They, they talked about, um, for instance, they said, you know, when Blackberry was thriving, they said a few bars and a few restaurants, like they would get so much business, and people they'd be regulars who Blackberry employees and everything, and they would spend so much money in these local businesses, and then all of a sudden it just stopped, and the money was not flowing anymore because of you know Blackberry's kind of downfall yeah. there. Businesses would actually set up sales that would coordinate with like yeah. paychecks and you know corporate corporate yeah. corporate paychecks and raises yeah. and bonuses and Okay. I just didn't feel like I got to know Waterloo more. Yeah. I I didn't I didn't feel like, oh wow, this that. is such a great place of history and culture, whatever the case. It was it was just a little Honestly uh, Go ahead. The, the thing that I found most interesting about it was the comments that people actually laid out. Yeah. Like Alex said, some people from Waterloo were actually upset about it. Yeah. You know, like they, you know, Mur, there was more here before Blackberry, and that's perfectly fine. But what I found interesting was like people who actually took like a negative tone towards Blackberry from the article, and to me there was some of that in there, but it was interesting that. You know, it was, it, was, it was kind of balanced out because there were people that actually appreciated the article in the way that it was written and the way that everything was laid out. And then there were some people that were totally upset about the way that BlackBerry was presented in the article. And I'm like, hmm, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. What happened, happened. I mean, it was... Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know. Yeah, sugarcoated, right. And that, like Jubei said, that what happened happened. I mean, you know, it's no secret. You know, nobody's trying to hide the fact BlackBerry was massive, and now they're not massive. They're, you know, they're somewhere in between. They're not the company that they were, and that's the way that the article laid it out. And I don't know. It, 
was it was just interesting to me to see those comments. And, yeah. and that board, the pictures that were used in, in there really added that was, a lot traumatic. to it. Yeah, that was, it added a lot to it. And <laughs> when I was in Waterloo, I actually saw that board. Like I was there and I saw that board in yeah. that room. And, you know, it was just really interesting to, to see how people, how other people actually reacted to their article, more so than what the article itself. Is it, you know, to be honest though, I was okay. So I I pulled it up on Barry Flow, and then it gave. I read a little bit. I was like, eh, it pulled me in a little bit. So I actually clicked the article. I had no idea how long it was. I was on my phone laying in bed, so I just kept reading, reading. I didn't realize at all how long it was, and I ended up reading it all. <laughs> and the thing is, looking at the comments, I was so surprised to see negative aspects, like just all the stuff to it. And I'm thinking most people probably did not read it all. Like I read it, you know cover to cover, whatever you want to say, top to bottom, and it may have taken me a solid 30 minutes to read it out. Like, it was a long read, and I just don't think all the comments, people read everything, you know? Well, nobody ever Do they ever write? They read the headline, Life, Death, Blackberry? Oh, I don't like this article. Yeah. I wanted to learn something that I didn't know already, I think. That's what it was, because this story is really old. It's been rehashed countless times on numerous websites. So coming back to another story of, like, the rise and fall, you know, Rem was just like, all right, whatever. So I was intrigued by the Waterloo element. I just, uh, I guess at the end, didn't really feel like uh, it was a celebration of Waterloo. Um, and I was like, oh, I mean, okay. I didn't entirely agree with some of his assessments there. I know that yeah. some people in the comments corrected him in some of his uh, points, but it's oh, still, uh, you know, if you got the time, go ahead and read it. <laughs> yeah, it's still a good read. I mean, there's, there, I didn't have any real issues with it or anything like that. It, from my perspective, it, it laid everything out nicely, and you know it all came together well, especially with the pictures and how he viewed things. And like James said, how he prefaced it, you know, is Blackberry to Waterloo what GM is to Detroit, sort of thing. Yeah. It was a really good article, in my opinion. I was gonna say, um, I mean, there's a lot of, there's probably a lot of emotion in it. I mean, I know a lot of, no, I shouldn't say I know a lot of, but I know a few. Blackberry employees personally, and I mean, I think it goes back to how when before the Z10 launch, you know, Blackberry wanted to use the whole Waterloo and have banners up, and that made a big issue. And people, some people were against it, some people were for it, right? And it, it goes to how the company ties in with the community. And when those cuts happen, a lot of people took that personally, right? I mean, a lot of people lost their jobs, a lot of people had to move, a lot of cultural things did change, right? Um, people have to quit jobs or move and all that, and, and some people don't like to shake BlackBerry so close with Waterloo because of their failure, right? It they don't want to be tied into it because of that, right? If you look at it that way, so yeah. But overall, I mean, I think I think it was I didn't read the whole article, but I was just looking at the comments and I could see where people are coming from making those comments, right? So. Coming from a place of not having read it. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, they talk about the Communitech hub, and they talk about the startup culture that still is there in Kitchener. I, I, I think that, you know, you really do, as Alex said, you have to read the whole thing. you got to take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. Yes, it's it's dramatized to, you know, give off this whole... It, it should have came with a soundtrack, that's for sure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
some light elevator music playing in the background. Let me let me leave that comment now. I'm not Canadian, however, <laughs> this needs a voiceover. <laughs> so we'll move on from the Battle of Waterloo. That really wasn't the battle, right? But we'll go over to BlackBerry naming their new chief security officer. Very interesting appointment. Comes at a very interesting time as well. As BlackBerry is kind of looking to. I think they're really looking right now to enhance and gear themselves toward their Internet of Things platform. It's a very interesting appointment to bring on a chief security officer, someone that they can instill to really oversee the entire security infrastructure because it's not just devices now. It's not just embedded devices. Now it's a platform. It's not just the networking operating centers. It's making sure all of that consistently is now going to work together with you know, a cohesive platform that is able to deliver and scale. So what did you guys think of the appointment? The guy has a pretty nice pedigree in the field. It was it was a great pickup. It's really cool for BlackBerry. The guy has uh, incredible experience. Uh, he he brings uh, such key components to BlackBerry, and it legitimizes over again uh, already what BlackBerry offers. And it's a great boost for shareholders and people in the market to see that BlackBerry uh, actually has to hire someone like this uh, because they need it. It's demanded. So it's a good, it's a healthy sign that this hires. It's a great sign that BlackBerry is doing very well in their enterprise, and they're looking to um, just really, again, you know, layer on top of uh, making sure all the critical components are uh, remain imperative to uh, moving forward to their services, and they, they're gonna, I don't know. This is great. I read, I, read, I, read his, uh, I read his resume. I was really excited. I was like, and I saw him in an interview, and uh, it was it was just good. So I'm really excited about this particular hire because this is like one of those guys that you're not going to see, but he's like the man behind the man behind the man. And uh, you know, you look at all the new uh, acquisitions and uh, virtue and uh, Seki Smart and stuff like that. So you know, you bring this guy in, and he's going to be able to leverage all of these things cohesively. Uh, intelligently for enterprise and um, what was it? What was it, one of his uh, his former? Uh, yeah, we can talk about Green Hill software absolutely. So the, the man, his name is uh, David Kleidermacher. Hopefully, I pronounced that right. Uh, he's being quoted as responsible for the global product security organization, leading efforts to ensure BlackBerry's continued leadership in secure enterprise mobility. He brings more than 20 years of strategy and product engineering experience to the role including expertise in securing connected devices and the Internet of Things. And, of course, we know BlackBerry's longstanding heritage in that same, that very same arena. David comes to BlackBerry from Green Hill Software, where he was uh, Chief Technology Officer, which is CTO. During his time at Green Hills, he led the team that developed the company's market-leading integrity, high-reliability, real-time operating system. Integrity was certified by the NSA, high robustness, yada, yada, highest security ever uh, level achieved for an operating system, and also validated and certified by the FAA. So definitely bringing a lot of acumen with him uh, to the role from Green Hill. There. He seems to be that kind of guy who is going to be able to take BlackBerry's assets and really start to marginalize them and bring them to the forefront. I find this all so, so interesting in terms of a conversation we had on last upstream where we talked about some of the employees that Apple has taken on, right? Now we're hearing that Apple is building a self-driving autonomous car and that they're building a car platform 
for those vehicles. And it's just amusing because at the end of the day, they're, they're going to have to find a point where they upgrade their whole platform, right? Apple is going to have to do that. And I, I think in the same coin that BlackBerry a couple of years ago launching BB10 was their acknowledgement of we need a platform for the future. Just as everyone, Samsung, Google even, as well as Apple, are all looking now toward that future of interconnected devices and being able to do that on a, on a bigger scale. So, yeah, I'm excited as Juve is in terms of that. Definitely, the guy brings a lot no, to the, the table. You know, what was this one client, the NSA? I mean, come on. I'll, I'll, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's like great news. You know, you mentioned something really um, interesting, and something jumped into, into my head when you were speaking, James, was all these companies now are trying to establish a platform for the future. And if you look at it in that aspect, uh, mobility-wise, uh, BlackBerry was like first out of the gate, right? You know, BB10 represents the future of mobility for the next decade plus. That's in my article, in my, one of my articles, my, I closed it saying, you know, BlackBerry isn't late, they're early. You just don't know it yet. <laughs> <laughs> give, it some, yeah. give it some time. Give it some well, time. We'll be there. It's, it's, it's really huge. A lot of people, that, you know, they have short vision, very narrow vision when they're looking at BlackBerry's direction. And you look at the... Um, just the, the segregation within different companies and the way they implement their strategies. And BlackBerry now has a unified vision. Chen came in and just really eliminated all the unnecessaries and uh, created a platform that is used throughout the entire company. I mean, the whole company, the, everything's, uh, the synergy within the company is just phenomenal at this point, and they're just refining it to a point now. And what works on one side works for everything. So... Good stuff to look forward to. Definitely excited. He put up a blog post on Inside Blackberry on the day of his appointment. And I want to read a quote from it because, one, it's very compelling what he says. And what he says as well here is almost like a bring it. And, and, and I just love the tone that he has throughout. He says, society should not trust the word of enterprises claiming great security. Let this be a call to arms, an international anthem, if you will, for industry, academia, and governments to join together with BlackBerry to foster cybersecurity standards that deliver meaningful assurance. We desperately need it. The general population lacks confidence in the ability of enterprises to protect critical data and functions because no effective international standard for ensuring confidence in this of this protection exists. Raising assurance is the only way to get ahead of attackers rather than remaining behind them, preventing breaches instead of picking up the pieces afterwards. And we've seen so much of that happen in like the last year, even the last couple of years, that I think it's a great underscore to his appointment and what he's able to bring to the table. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, I saw the interview. I read some of his stuff. Just, it's, it's exciting to have this someone like this uh, on board for sure. Definitely a much-needed role for filling, so I'm glad he's here. We'll move over to maybe what Mr. Clattermacher may be having to touch and dabble with. QNX Auto headed to Embedded World. I hadn't heard much about this. Blaze, are you able to speak on? Uh, they're headed to Embedded World. I guess it's a big embedded symp uh, symposium with different vendors in the embedded space. What is QNX uh, going to be there for? Well, they Embedded World, they hold it each and every year for... Uh, embedded technology, as the name <laughs> simply implies. Uh, but QNX will be there. They have uh, the usual demonstrations through automotive, medical, all that is happening. Uh, but they 
also have, uh, apparently, they'll be in a demo with uh, Texas Instruments. They'll be basically announcing a new product at that point in time um, for what appears to be the automotive sector. They were they were actually kind of um, hush-hush in, in regards to what they were actually going to be showing off, but um, they do have a new product to announce, and it will be done in cooperation with Texas Instruments, who is basically they have uh, they have a new processor that they're using for automotive. Um, I'm probably going to pronounce it wrong, but it's Jacinto, the Jacinto Six automotive processor. The Jacinto, yes, yes. Yeah. So they have the uh, QNX SDK for apps and media, so all that stuff that we've seen will essentially be shown off in the automotive department. So, you know, those big dashboards, the glorious-looking dashboards that everybody loves. Um, but, yeah, medical reference platform uh, will also be on display, so they have all the security elements for critical healthcare applications that they'll be demoing. And... They seem really, uh, they seem really hyped about it because they uh, QNX themselves actually retweeted my own article like twice now, so they're they're pretty excited about it. It's good when they're excited because that means we have a lot to be excited about. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, additionally, there here's the thing that I don't know if we'll actually be able to because um, I'm not too sure how much. You know, information Embedded World is actually going to put out, like if they're going to have a live stream or, you know, videos documenting any any of it. Uh, but they have, um, in addition to the, the demos that are being uh, displayed, uh, they have two sessions for the Internet of Things and uh, managing your uh, management focus. So, you know, keeping keeping people on track and making sure that everything is going right in your in your management arena. So hopefully they'll actually post some of that stuff so that we can actually bring it to everybody else and let everybody else see it. Uh, I always kind of hate when, you know, these events go on and we don't actually see anything from those events until three or four months later. So hopefully they'll have some live streams and some video footage for us to uh, actually tap into and check out. We need to get you on a plane. I mean, that's a... <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't mind going to Nuremberg, Germany, for a while. In, in, in a bit of a in a bit You're of a. You're afraid to leave your house right now, and you want to go to Germany. Yeah, well, is Germany gonna be warmer? Yeah, I'm all for it. That, that you know, is the question. Yeah, in a little bit of a side note, though, and a silly note, but it has to be mentioned. They're also gonna have like robot vacuum cleaners on display that are powered by QNX operating system. Real-time motor control to move smoothly and easily through your house. It's laughable. You're so right. But I, I did actually did an interview with one of their managing directors over there. And they're like, it's it's a funny concept, you know, an autonomous vacuum that literally runs itself. But a lot of the same complications that that device ran into on its previous OS are the same kind of things that car manufacturers have to tackle, you know? Oh, yeah, Absolutely. So, obstacles, you know, obstacles in your house are just the same as like obstacles on the road, you know. Right, right. Just like you have a dog, a dog crossing in front of the vacuum, you could have a car on the road. So yeah. there are there are a lot of parallels to be drawn there. It, it is laughable, but a lot of the same kind of uh, logic, so to speak. I'll tell you what's laughable. 
the level of laziness now that's uh, sparked uh, ingenuity and <laughs> technology. Hey, man. I wouldn't mind having a QNX powered vacuum robot vacuum. I'd stick a big QNX logo right on the top of it, big sticker <laughs> like, on the top. Yeah, you can remote control it from your passport while you lay in the couch watching it. <laughs> that would be totally awesome. I'd paint like wheels on the side of it, like it was a little car. <laughs> It's like it's like the snake game, and you have to like draw on the passport screen to where the vacuum's gonna go. Interact, yeah, interactive vacuum. <laughs> you get your kids to play with it, and they think they're having fun, but really they're cleaning the living room. If anyone from QNX is listening, I will gladly take a vacuum. <laughs> I will review the hell out of it. <laughs> that sounds more up Adam's alley, actually. <laughs> Keep that on connectedly. No, 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 no! I want the vacuum. <laughs> Adam's probably like full up on his connected devices. Yeah, okay. so. <laughs> so we'll move on from vacuums. Let's talk about <laughs> WorkWide, awesome application developed by Brian and Olaf. Really, really awesome application. They, it was originally specifically designed for Passport to make use of the, the screen, basically giving you the ability to split the Passport screen and utilize multiple app widgets within the one app. It was really, really cool. They've recently done an upgrade, bringing some more features, and actually bringing that application to all touch devices. So now you can hold your Z30 or Z10 horizontally and get two squares for which you can actually multitask between. Very cool. You can have browsers side by side. You can have a composer tab to send off emails and other stuff. If anyone's used WorkWide, I highly suggest grabbing the update. It's pretty awesome. Again, for a paid application, you can't beat it. It brings in a lot of the kind of split browser that you're looking for, and also a lot of other utility as well. With the stuff yeah, that's been built in. it's like one of the most used apps on my phone, really. Wow. Because and it's it's one of those things where like, again, it's one of those things that I I didn't know that I needed it until somebody actually created it and put it out there for me. Because um, one of the problems that, that I found within the BlackBerry 10 operating system is like, you know, when you go to watch like a YouTube video or whatever. It sort of traps you in the video player. You can't like get out of the video player unless you watch the video minimized, right? Worldwide allows you to watch the video and still do other things on your device while you're watching the video. And to me, that's that's actually like one of the most compelling reasons to download it. I mean, just for my own personal use. Um, I also had to kind of like laugh at the comments because some people were saying, "Well, why did you, why would you bring it to?" other devices, I mean, obviously the, those devices aren't as wide as what the Passport is. Well, yeah, they are if you put them on their side. <laughs> they're wider, as wide or they're wider than what the Passport is, so you actually get a lot of use out of it no, um, just by turning your device sideways. So. And think as well, I mean, we have the HDMI out, we have Miracast on some devices. Yeah. And this is great for presentations where you can literally have, you know, some presentation media and then maybe a video playing or something. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of usability cases for it. I think it's, it's a great awesome uh, yeah, demonstration of the true multitasking mm -hmm. ability of the RTOS. I'd like to see people give examples of how they use it. I mean, I, we don't, I, I know people are downloading it. I know that for sure. Because Brian tells me, he gives me a little few updates here and there about how many downloads he had and stuff like that. But I'd like to see how other people are using it because, you know, tell me how you're using it in the comments or whatever. Let us know how you're actually using it. Like, what's your use case for it? Because I want to know what, what people do with it. 
I'm more sure interested Brian to does see too. If, uh, if there's a possibility that BlackBerry may um, look at this app and get some ideas for a future OS. It's funny yeah. you mention that. Cluey actually posted, yeah. BlackBerry's posting of WorkWide, and he's like, you know, we thought about this, but we're like, eh, not really. It's <laughs> basically <laughs> what he said. He's like, you know, didn't really cross our minds in terms of usability. Like, it might break the yeah. flow of the whole OS. Yeah. But, I mean, people are buying it. The, the customers win at the end of the day, right? Yeah. They're, they're who you're building for, not for your yeah. own. Right. Yeah, it's money, it's money too, talks in this case. It's to Brian's benefit that BlackBerry didn't actually put it in there. So, you know, yeah. I'm pretty sure you're not going to hear him complain about it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Definitely a good application. If you are a WorkWide user already, download the latest update. You said that the uh, the update yeah it supports all the other devices, BB10 devices. Correct. Yep. I don't I don't really see it being downloaded for like the classic or the uh, Q10, but. The, and that's the thing. I mean, if you've ever used the app, it's actually very, very smart built. So it, it splits the screen, right? So you've got a little toggle in the center. And then on either side, you have the split screen. However, you can take that toggle and slide it left or right and actually maximize. So you can have a full screen square on the classic, right? And then just slide it over and get the other bit of material that you're looking for. Again, very well built. And it actually works better on the classic than I think it does on some of the other devices like a Q5 or things of that nature, because it's a, such a bigger screen. So definitely yeah. check it out. Definitely check it out. Very the good. other interesting side of that is that I, I spoke to Brian about it, and I asked him, you know, like, how, how did you end up getting it on like all the other devices and stuff like that? Uh, he basically had to re-envision the whole application and rebuild it from the ground up to bring it to other devices. So, yeah, wow. it may look the same, as what it did previously, but technically under under the hood, it's pretty much a brand new app because he literally had to rebuild it from the ground up in order to ensure that it didn't break anything across other devices. Right? Impressive. I thought, I thought that was really interesting because you know, not only did he build a great app to begin with, he <laughs> rebuilt it a second time to bring it to everybody else. Hmm. Oh, you know what? Actually. I mean, what James said about the moving it from one to switch super easy between them. I mean, going back to what Alex said, that if like I didn't know that until now. You can't tell that from a picture, but if I had seen a video of that, that that would be easy sell. I would put on the classic if I had one, right? Or or a Q5. Oops. It, no, it's very easy to do one-handed, and they've actually Brian's asked me to do an updated video. Yeah. And I, and I should, and I should. We really should, Blaze. We're slacking. God, we're awful. I know. <laughs> we're just so busy waiting for Embedded World. I mean, <laughs> but no, work wide. Check it out. Uh, you can work wide without spending $600 on a passport. Be aware. <laughs> Let's talk BBM for BlackBerry 10. We've got a beta update in beta zone. Yeah. A couple yeah. of us grabbed it. Um, very exciting update. It, <laughs> it's kind of a throwback. Yeah to some updates that we had but lost. I find this very, very interesting. So the two editions, you're able to get the R and D, the read and delivered message uh, in file transfers within BBM contacts. And as well, you now have the ability to share photos in line in a group. So it, it, it was done on the previous beta build. If I remember correctly, you would be in a group thread. You would hit the overflow button, and there was a, an option there to add photo. 
and that photo would be shared in line in the group conversation and as well in the group photo album. It's funny, for users who are on the new beta now and are sharing images in their groups to non-beta users, those non-beta users can still see the inline photo and react with it. So it's not something that's yeah. limited. I know stickers were that way for some users where we'd say sticker, you know, not available or you know, yeah. update to the latest well, PBM. Yeah, what that means is that all they did was remove the option in the overflow to do it. That means they never actually took that function out, functionality out of BBM. It's been in BBM for a while. And we were joking around about it that uh, they may have just been like, oh, oh, dude, you never put that in? Like, that that should have been in like 10 builds ago. I think you put that in. Like, just, just, all they had to do was go in there and add an option somewhere to add a picture. And um, to appeal to James, the one thing that James... Uh, doesn't like about it from what we've heard is if you end up having a picture posted and then you start discussing the picture within like in line within it's it's like kind of breaking the flow of what it should be so keep in mind people when you post a picture click the picture and then do the comments within the picture comments don't do it within the um, actual like the chat yeah exactly don't yeah. be chad don't just <laughs> yeah. chad's watching this right chad. like these guys these guys <laughs> but no it's a uh, it's a very cool re-edition. As Alex said, it was kind of like hidden and then brought back. What I like is now it's not hidden on the overflow. Now in group threads, you actually have the standard BBM little uh, paper clip to attach, and then there's the photo icon. Bam, you click the photo. And that's that's all Alex that's in there. there. Yeah, right. just the little picture button, that's all. And there's the camera in the middle, too. So really, really cool that they're able to bring that in for us. And, I, and I'm hoping some more stuff starts showing up in there in later builds, maybe voice notes file transfers to groups directly in line. I'd like to see maybe the whole photo album section evolve into something more, maybe shared drives or things of that nature. <laughs> that kind of stuff scares me because I don't know what kind of pictures I got on my phone. and I'll be the one that accidentally sends them to a group that shouldn't be sent to a group. <laughs> pictures of his Rio device. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> It's it's just funny because we had discussed a couple of streams ago that BBM on iOS was getting like the landscape support, and then we got that in a later build, and we had we had that feature before as well. And then they took it out. So that's what I was just thinking. I was like, does that make up for the landscape in iOS? <laughs> <laughs> they're definitely working on it. At least they're still paying attention to us, right? A lot of us channel users feel very neglected at this point. I know, I know, I, I know you, Blaze, are, are feeling pretty neglected in terms of channels. I hate channels, man. I hate it, and I love it at the same time. Like, I love, I love the fact that we can go ahead and post the channels and stuff like that, and share all that stuff. But the amount of spam and the bugs that are still remaining in channels are absolutely annoying and dreadful. It's like the bane of my existence. Like, <laughs> there's, I don't know. It's like. Have you ever tried to ban someone from your channel or block them, but you can't block them because they have, like, foreign characters in their name, and it doesn't ah. work? It's like, why doesn't that work? Yeah. All I have to do is go ahead and put some, like, random characters in the name, and then blocking them doesn't work. And it's because channels is being neglected. It's th These are, like, little things that if they really stayed up to date on it, they would fix these things. Yeah. But, you know, hopefully... We're waiting out for a humongous channels update. Like, I think we're all hoping that, but realistically, 
don't know. Does Hangouts have a crickets noise? Because that's what we need right now. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of potential in it. I think if they really get VPN money to a place where it's integrated into the OS channels, it's just like a you gotta tack Um, it on. Like, let me buy stuff, you know? Mobile World Congress again? End of the month. Uh, Middle of March. Is it middle Middle of March? March. It was beginning. Yeah, beginning. That's the only. That's our, our only hope right there. <laughs> that they may announce something. We're gonna get R two D two and then a projection of Dubai. <laughs> Congress, you're our only hope. Blackberry <laughs> uh, though. Channels is on life support. Yeah. If that. Well, I don't know. If, any, great if anybody wants a bug list, just ask me. Like, Michael Cooley's <laughs> listening. Anybody from the BBM channels team? Just let me know. I can, I got all the information. I can I can. The problem is, Chris. I don't think there is a BBM channel. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just like BBM. I got a list of top twenty things channels desperately yeah. needs. Just yeah. like they just like they forgot the inline photos. I think they forgot. They're like, oh crap, we we fired everyone who was working on these. <laughs> Whoops. Now we got them working on Android Wear. <laughs> You know, on the on the photo, one last thing with it. If BlackBerry, if you're listening at all, if you add within the overflow menu now, just an option to do like view view group pictures, then I'll never have to open up BBM again, and I'll be happy. Because the only thing I dislike right now is I could access like everything from the hub, the the stuff that I interact with a lot, all the groups, but I have to wait for someone to post a photo in order for that to show up in the hub. If I could just view the photos, like directly from within the group, within the hub. I don't have to open up BBM anymore. I'd be so happy. You're never so, getting that, man. They want you to open BBM. I know, I know, I know. Come on, they want you in that BBM shop. They need them, like, 12 billion views. <laughs> it's getting bad. Like, now, like, every three things in my feed is an ad. And it's a big one for a sticker pack what? I've already bought. Like, come on. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. They're actually a little bit more relevant now. Like, they, they started advertising, like... Um, the Valentine's Day sale, for example, they advertised that in there. Um, they advertised that the, um, well, I don't know how relevant this is given the scenario, um, <laughs> but um, they started advertising the Passport and the Classic coming to AT&T. So they have, you know, they, they've been doing better in terms of the ads. I, I'm no longer getting ads for Android apps that take me to the Google Play Store, so that's good. I mean, that's a plus, right? Or uh, apps, uh, apps that take you to like another country. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're they're becoming more relevant, so I guess that's good. Uh, and they also they they also put apps in there now too. So yep, right um, I just found one. Yeah. Instagram Pro. Yeah, yeah, and that's good. I mean, that's a perfect that's a perfect example because you know there there may be a lot of people that are on BBM. Who still don't necessarily know that iBrand exists, right? Yeah. And they don't know that they can access Instagram. And if they're scrolling through that, they're like, "Oh, what's this? Instagram? Well, let me go ahead and check that out." They'll tap on that and they'll try it, right? So, I don't. Know. I let thought that say, that was interesting. They're relevant now. That's let me segue, let me segue our conversation here just a bit and talk about how much better iBrand is than the actual Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love I love that it seems like a lot of the native apps, Wine, all the social ones that are built in Cascades are better than the actual official versions. 
and it, it amuses me. Like you can actually pinch to zoom on photos in Instagram. And and for me, a, a young gentleman, that is a thing of necessity. <laughs> when going down a, a, a solid Instagram feed, you can long press the photo, you can repost. I mean, you can't even do that on the actual Instagram app, you know? Yeah. You have to go download a third-party app just to repost Instagram posts. It's just a mess. And, and I love that the native developers that we have have taken the time, utilized the Cascades framework, and really built some awesome apps. So kudos to Igran and Adrian for that, because it is an awesome application. Yeah, that's a, that's a good aspect and and something that could really be highlighted. Uh, I don't think enough. I don't think they get enough credit for it because you know Instagram, the app itself, is the app you have. But realistically, you know, Igran is better because of all the different features that it offers that Instagram doesn't. Instagram itself is like pretty basic when you compare it to the BlackBerry 10 apps. Mm-hmm. Right, and in the Android version, doesn't give you any notifications at all. Like it doesn't tell you if there's any yeah. status. At least that iGran runs headlessly to get the hub. You can have those notifications on the lock screen, and just a much more integrated experience. So I, I definitely appreciate its existence. And, it's and you can re- rerun photos too. Right, exactly. Really cool stuff indeed. So you had mentioned it a little bit earlier, but I was talking about the Valentine's Day deal and discount. Tell us a little bit about that. All of us have our passports already, basically, except for Alex. Yeah. Poor guy. <laughs> um, so basically, they had the they had the Valentine's Day sale, which I do believe actually ends like right tonight, um, somewhere around there, on the 16th. Either 15th or 16th. I think it runs through tomorrow, so it'll end tomorrow. Yeah. yeah, so essentially all the passports are on sale. $100 off if you're in the U.S. and $125, I do believe, if you're Canadian for the currency exchange difference. So it's uh, it's a good opportunity to uh, get yourself a BlackBerry Passport if you don't already have one. And that sale includes the red one. So uh, if you've been eyeing that, definitely make sure that you take advantage of it. Um, does anybody know if you can actually like combine them? Because... The yes, discounts? you can. That's how I got my red one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yes, if you know any BlackBerry elites, reach out to them. They have some special coupon code. They are region-locked, so you need to find a BlackBerry elite in your region. But Miss um, Kimberly Cooley was able to hook me up with a, a promo code, and I was able to use that on a previous discount. They had $100 off a, a while back for, I think, a different holiday, and I was able to pick up mine that way. So, yes, you can stack the two. Now, what I wish I checked was, can you stack multiple BB Elite coupons <laughs> with discount? I'm going to get a free passport at this point, right? And just for the record, it's not exactly hard to find any of the BB Elite people, because if you look on Twitter, they'll let you, most of them have updated their, like, Twitter feed to let you know that, hey, we have discount codes available, so it's a good thing to, good thing to take advantage of if, you were, uh, if you're wanting to pick up a passport. Absolutely. I mean, we're talking um, 125, so we're talking like 250 off Canadian. Yeah. Have both of those bundled, and then 200 off on the USDS. So definitely check it out. Passport is an awesome device, and at a price that's below 400, I mean, it sells itself. I mean, you just gotta go get one, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. I wanted to share a story actually quickly, because. I was at work yesterday, it was the day before, and um, this guy comes in, he's like, uh, 
So my carrier, I'm having issues. Uh, he brings like a USB, one of those wireless USB adapters. He's like, I need this to work with my BlackBerry. And, uh, now it's BlackBerry with his uh, computer. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, I can't. My, they said that my Skype, it fixed my Skype. And I was like, oh, let's take a look. And he, put, he brings out this leather thing. And I'm thinking it's his wallet. And he opens it up. And it's, his, it's, his, it's a BlackBerry passport. This guy has a... Uh, a beard, and he's gray-haired, and he, he's at least 70, 75 years old. I'm like, that's crazy. A guy 75 years old using a passport. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, some people, like, you gotta, you would think an older guy wouldn't, wouldn't use a passport, but doesn't matter what age, people can really use a passport. Like, it's not, it's not that hard. It's not that hard at all. Yeah, it always makes me laugh about like people complaining about the what's it called the, <laughs> the learning curve on BlackBerry 10, and it's like so easy a 75 year old can do it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I would have taken a selfie. I would have taken a selfie, Blaze, but uh, it's not professional. <laughs> <laughs> not professional. <laughs> should have made him take it, and it wouldn't have been so unprofessional. <laughs> Smart thinking. I should have done that. Have you, have you tested the camera out on that phone? It's really awesome, right? <laughs> Shoot. Segway right in there. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So uh, we have a couple questions from the BBM channel before we close out here. They're mostly complaints, as they always are, right? <laughs> Let's see if we can address just a few of them for, for our users here. So some have asked, you know, Chen has been missing from the public for a long time. Is everything okay? I think it's a great thing. If Chen's in the public, that means that you know he's out there, he's promoting. I think right now they're at a point where they're really just working. They're getting stuff done. They're getting ready to hit some of the roadmaps and deadlines that they're setting up. Right yeah. now. So us not seeing Chen, I wouldn't take that as a negative. I think they're you know nose to the ground getting it done right now. Obviously, I mean, look at their new appointment of their CSO. They're definitely working. What do you guys think? Definitely. Yeah, I agree with that. Getting ready for Mobile World Congress and plus whatever he's doing in terms of hiring people and stuff like that, that clearly would have taken some time out of his uh, schedule to go ahead and get the new hire happening. So it's all right if she's not around. And he he's always around, you know. He's yeah. he's reading and you know he's keeping tabs on on everything anyway. So. Uh, were you guys worried about the Bez 12? We had some solid numbers and then. You kind of just stopped hearing about those kind of influx of numbers. Do you think that maybe Mobile World Congress or somewhere down the line we're going to get another, like, hey, here's where we're at in terms of our inter enterprise subscriber base? Oh, yeah, I think you'll definitely get something like that at Mobile World Congress because I, the two things that I think you'll see at Mobile World Congress is uh, essentially they're going to they're gonna show off some more of their enterprise stuff that they have happening because we know full well that everything that they announced already hasn't necessarily rolled out as of yet. Uh, some of the stuff that they announced uh, in the portfolio wasn't necessarily coming out until uh, 2015, and we're into 2015 now, so Mobile World Congress is going to be the place to go ahead and announce that. So you'll definitely get some, some enterprise stuff on tap for sure. Uh, the other thing is you're probably, as we know, um, 
and isn't really the secret, you're going to get a look at at least some of the device portfolio, if not all of the device portfolio for you know, the 2015 year at least. Um, so they've, they've got to go ahead and share some of those numbers. Now, whether or not those numbers are exactly the numbers that people want, because here's the thing, uh, the enterprise sales and stuff like that, they've, they've willingly gone ahead and shared those numbers in the past. Um, you know, they, they haven't essentially tried to keep any of those secret or anything like that. But the numbers that people really want and have not been able to fully capture as of yet is device sales numbers. So if you're looking for device sales numbers, I still think you're going to be disappointed because I don't think they're going to go ahead and you know, directly hand out passport numbers or classic numbers or anything like that. Um, but you'll you'll get you'll probably get enterprise numbers for sure because uh, the program is coming to a close or has closed already at this point. So they got to give up some of that information. So Mobile World Congress device roadmap, maybe a BDM roadmap, as well yeah. as talking about the security and enterprise aspects. Yeah. Good stuff. I'm definitely looking forward to it. And it's really not that far away. We're already in the middle of February, right? Yeah. yeah, March March is uh, quarter quarter's end, right? Or the earnings call as well? Yeah. End of March, right? So probably get those rest of those numbers at that time, probably. Yeah, be a good time for it. Definitely gearing up. It's going to be an exciting year. I'm interested to see kind of you know what what the perception is at the end of this year. We've had the passport. We've had a lot of the enterprise with those twelve. A lot of stuff rolling out. I wonder where the perception is going to sit. You know, a year out from now, I'm definitely looking forward to maybe a little bit more acceptance of what BlackBerry is now. I think a lot of people are still hung up on the idea that this is a device maker that's struggling to make devices, and really, that whole conversation is changing every day as they move toward more software and services. So. I'm definitely interested. I mean, Chen a couple months back said, you know, we've got a, a killer bit of software that's going to kind of change the game for us in terms of a software solution. So who knows exactly what they're cooking up over there in, in Waterloo and or California. So definitely some stuff looking forward. I think that's another thing. Like, it goes back to Chen being quiet is because there's a lot of stuff that we don't know, necessarily know because... Let's be realistic. Chen sort of put a, a, a cork in all the leaks. He plugged them all. You know, there's not as many leaks as what there used to be in the BlackBerry world, and it's you know, that's why it, that's another reason as to why it's quiet is because people are seeing less leaks. I mean, before we probably had more devices coming out. You know, like 2012, we had like a whole roadmap for 2012, and it, you know they weren't even voluntarily putting that information out there. But Chen came in and cleaned house, and he, you know he did what he what he said he would do. He was going to stop the majority of the leaks, and it it almost seems like it almost seems like he's the one who is I don't want to say fully in yeah he's obviously not fully in control of all the leaks, but uh, realistically, when you look back at at the timeline and stuff like the past year. The big device announcements and stuff like that were leaked by him early. Like he's the one who put the passport out there. Like, yeah, we knew it was coming. We seen some rough pictures of it and such, and you know, we got that hands-on preview early. But 
it was him who actually said, like, hey, look, this is the passport, even before an official announcement. And this is the classic. And, you know, nobody had really you know, caught, a, caught a real good glimpse at the, at the classic at that point in time. Like, he was the first one to put it out there. So he's kind of he's controlling the headlines. <laughs> and it's good because now we have a CEO who literally has Blackbird's fate in his hands, you know? Yeah. It's not on the hands of the media to turn and skew and, and kind of twist whatever message they're going to deliver. It's, it really is in his hands. And it, yeah. it's funny because that was at an investor's event. And he, yeah. he was kind of like, wake up, guys. You know, <laughs> bam, here are two devices. Like, <laughs> we're working. You know, we know this is a dry conversation, but at the same time, there is things to be excited about. So that should be the key takeaway from our, our session today. There are things to be excited about looking forward. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, I was gonna say like people really have to be like I'm really stoked for mobile old conference. Like, there's a lot to come. I think if it's a roadmap, guys. Like, whatever is coming is coming and coming in like two weeks. So, you gotta Run be really know. excited. Ronell knows. Tweet him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ronell's got the goods, but he ain't giving it out. What the heck? <laughs> All his BlackBerry friends, you know, they're just <laughs> already. <laughs> well, as always, gentlemen, I appreciate having you on. It's been another great session here on Upstream. You guys take care. We will see you all next Sunday. Take care, everyone. Later. Later, guys.